listening to the Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John Tate, what's up, man? It is a good Friday to be alive. The sun is shining, birds are singing. I don't know how it gets any better than this. That's one of the things that my wife has told me that Trish has put out in the universe. Like, that's a question to ask. How does it get any better than this? Because then the universe just brings me great things. I mean, I feel like we could probably do a whole podcast on the things that Trish says. I mean, we could just title it that and just do an episode every week on one thing that she says to you. Well, I can't speak for everybody, but I can say that after six, seven years together, my life is better. So (laughs) I've learned uh, to listen, say yes, ma'am, and thank the universe and ask for more. So it certainly has worked out well for me. That's great. Do you guys talk about a budget when you talk? As little as we can. I I think that I've told you I'm the spender at my house, so I don't like to talk about things like that. You know, I don't bring up that or diets. Those are two things that I kind of leave out. How about you? The only time Kristen and I talk about the budget is when she texts me and wants to know what the password is to the online banking site so that she can get in and see if something was paid. She goes on there as little as possible and doesn't ever remember how to log in. So we should probably talk about it more. It's just when we get together and talk about stuff, it's just not at the top of the list. It's usually like six or seven things down. I think you told us that during the Who's Your Family CFO episode. Probably. Which, ironically, I don't know if you know this or not, you probably don't because you don't have access to these kinds of things, <laughs> is our most listened to episode. So, <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, it really is. Nice. People wanted to listen in on our relationship advice. Imagine that. So <laughs> I can't understand that. But money advice we can do. But I remember you saying that, and Bobby, who is our producer, we were talking one day over the last couple of weeks and she mentioned that that was the most listened to episode, which she found interesting. So if you're new to the podcast, go back, check that one out. I don't remember right off what number it is, but it's who's your family's CFO. So we get to learn all about John and Kristen and their money relationship. So that was, (laughs) that was good times. Well, that makes the challenge for today. Then let's make this episode the most listened to episode. Let's do it. You know what? It's the time of year that it probably should be. It's one of those things in the last couple of weeks. Today, we're going to be talking about healthcare and healthcare costs, particularly kind of leading into and during retirement. And it seems like over the last few weeks, it's one of the questions that I've gotten the most. So I think that it's definitely an appropriate time when we think about John, where money goes in retirement, healthcare is a pretty big chunk of that. It's a big part of the decision for a lot of people. How they're going to handle healthcare is a big part of how they look at and start to plan for retirement. Have you had any experience with that? As you said, this is the time of year and we're coming up on open enrollment dates for Medicare, which is a big part of the healthcare budget in retirement after you turn 65. And so I think that probably generates a lot of questions. But when you think about a piece of the budget, you're talking about something that 
over time gets more expensive, just like everything, but it gets more expensive right now at about twice the rate as everything else. So whatever you're spending on healthcare today, you can anticipate it to be more expensive to buy the same things the next year and the year after that. And so that's where the conversation tends to go anyway. Most people have a handle on what they're paying today. It's what I might be paying two and three years out that is what we need to help them plan for and what they're worried about and what they're thinking about most. It ends up being such a big chunk of the budget. When you look at a statistic that we had rounded up was roughly 15% of the annual retirement budget is spent on healthcare costs. And I think one of the big fears, I think, John, for people is not knowing in terms of dollar amount what that is. Because for most of us, unless you're self-employed, your employer pays a portion of the cost. And so you're only seeing a portion of what the health insurance actually costs. And so when we get to a place where we're starting to look at having to provide all that coverage for ourselves and we lose that supplement from our employer, it can be a shocking number to go from, again, I'm just picking random numbers, $300 a month that's deducted out of your paycheck pre-tax. And that's another thing probably is that it comes Mm -hmm. out of your check while you're working. You have to write a check when you're not working. And that's a big difference, I think, for a lot of people too. But 15% on an $80,000 a year annual budget, John's $1,000 a month. I mean, that can be alarming, I think, for folks just for healthcare. If you're thinking about how your money is spent every month, I think it's one of those things that you know you have to pay for, but is it a fun thing to pay for? Never. Because most of the time when you have to pay for something, related to your health, it's because something is wrong and you had to go to the doctor and you're not feeling your best and things are not going as well as you would like if you were just 100% absolutely healthy. You know, I don't know about you, but after I turned 40, which seems like years and years and years ago, my body has already started to fall apart. I don't know if you have that same feeling too, but I can get the sense that the older I get, the more things that are going to hurt every single day when I wake up. And so it's a necessary expense, but it's certainly not something fun to pay for. But if you think about some of the previous shows that we've done, we've spent some time talking about the choices that people make and at what point in their life they make these choices. And one of those choices recently, and we've seen this kind of pick up, is the choice to retire early. And that could mean that you're retiring at 55. It could mean retirement at 60, 62. But a lot of folks, if they're thinking about retiring early, It's before the age of 65, and that's an important data point because it's 65 when your enrollment period starts for Medicare. And so if you're going to retire before 65, you've got to come up with those options to pay for healthcare in those gap years. So, you know, we kind of go through some of the different options available to folks that we talk to a lot. But the first option you think about if you're leaving your job is your option to adopt or elect COBRA which allows you to keep the same insurance that you had under your previous employer, but you have to pay for the cost. And so I think it's capped at 110% of whatever the cost was when you were under your employer plan. And like you said, you're writing a check all of a sudden. And so that's going to be something that you need to plan ahead for. But if you want to be able to keep the same plan, that's at least a place to start. Do you find that a lot of your retiring early clients start there? 
Yeah, and it's worth pointing out that retirement, per usual, is a really ambiguous term here because it could very well be that your retirement is leaving your corporate job and doing some consulting on the side. We're not talking about whether or not you work or make any money. We are talking about whether or not you are still under a corporate plan. So that's important to point out. But yes, COBRA feels expensive because, again, you're paying what you used to pay plus what the employer used to pay, and in some cases, a little more. But you do keep the same benefits. So it feels expensive. But I actually, John, was working with a client on healthcare coverage last week and actually had a health insurance agent suggest to me that the client might be better off with COBRA because it could be cheaper than other plans. And one of the things that I think it's important to kind of pause and point out is, like with any time you're dealing with insurance, your personal factors, when you're not part of a group plan, your personal factors matter a lot more. So your prescriptions, any of that kind of stuff, your care routine, do you only go in every now and then for a well checkup? That matters an awful lot. And so COBRA is an option. Sometimes it's a good option. So I think that, frankly, COBRA gets a bad rap sometimes. It's not necessarily something you definitely want to keep, but it is worth paying attention to and really evaluating. And so I think that's important to point out. Another option, John, is to get coverage under a spouse. So if you have a husband, wife, a partner who is covered by their corporate plan, you know, being able to switch over from yours to theirs is also an option. It is. That's also one that if you're already paying for something and that employer is subsidizing a large part of that, it can be less expensive than your other options. But it's certainly something to go through and look at. And to get back to your point briefly on just the word retirement, I feel like when we're in a room face-to-face or on a Zoom call face-to-face with our clients, when we say the word retirement, we're using it in a very contextual manner that has to do with the people that we're talking with. And so they understand what we're saying. But In the case of this podcast, I mean, the word retirement is ambiguous. It doesn't have one meaning to everybody. And so it's just sometimes it rattles off the tongue because we say it so often. But in these cases, I should probably check myself and use a different term because you're exactly right. I mean, if you're doing something early and leaving an employer, it's probably to do something else. It's not as if you're slowing down or not doing things or just taking a permanent vacation. It's most of the time to do something else to maybe form your own company, do something. So Those are the kinds of changes we're talking about. And I'll just try to avoid using the R word for the rest of the show, at least. But the other option, other than a spousal plan, which is probably less expensive than COBRA, but you need to make sure your benefits are not going to change in a way that would be negative to your situation. But the other options would be either the public market, which would be you can go to all these different state websites or private insurance, and you can go to healthcare.gov and you can use a finder tool to locate private health plans outside the public market. That's probably a more expensive option than the public market. But these days, it is worth your while to do the research, to do your homework, and try and figure out which option is the best for you. And I think it's important to point out that while things could change and things have different periods during which they're available or not, 
but most of these are not irreversible decisions. So if you decide, for example, to go on Cobra, in my opinion, and this is incredibly broad advice, so take it for what it is, you'd rather go on Cobra than be without insurance most of the time. But that doesn't mean you have to stay there forever. You also, with Cobra in particular, usually have a period of time to make that decision wherein you can retroactively choose back to the date that you separated from service. But these weren't things, John, that are one-time decisions. I mean, you can actually look and reevaluate, and if your circumstances change, you can actually change plans. So there's a lot of flexibility, and it's worth not only looking at to begin with, but evaluating it every year or two just to make sure that the plan, like any other insurance really, that the plan that you have is still the most appropriate one for your current circumstances. That's good advice. Has anybody ever told you you give good advice? One or two people. We'll see if we can increase that number. So those are all things you would do. And most of the time, if we're talking about a gap that people have to cover between when they change work environments and do something different to when they can apply for Medicare, the average gap in the United States is about four years. And so usually that time period that you're talking about where you can assess and reassess the situation and figure out which situation is right for you. And then after 65, then we get into your Medicare A, which covers the hospital and some of those inpatient things, the B, which is outside the hospital environment, your D, which is prescription coverage for pharmaceuticals that you might need. And then all the different supplemental plans that might cover your deductibles and copays and things like that. So that's what we get into at 65 or later. And one of the items that I know that is particular to Raymond James is Raymond James has partnered with Health Plan One, which is a service offered to all of our clients. And we actually have a dedicated phone number. We have a dedicated website. And if you want either one of those things, just reach out to your local Signature Wealth Advisor, and we can get that information to you. But they have a group of dedicated specialists that can help you figure out all the ins, the outs, all the different facets of Medicare and where you need to be, what you need to pay for, what you don't need to pay for given your certain situation. And so I have never had a bad situation referring a client to Health Plan One and having them get started that way. Do you do the same thing, Chip? Yeah, I actually talked to them last week with a client just to make sure, because insurance is one of those things, right, that things can easily get lost in interpretation because there are a lot of particular words that, while in a lot of cases, it's okay that different words mean different things to different people, Insurance is not one of those cases. And so I actually had a call with Matt at Healthcare One and a client of ours about figuring out Medicare supplements last week for this very reason. He was on his wife's plan. His wife is now retired again. She's failed retirement once. (laughs) So she is now retired again. And he is over 65. She's under. So we were dealing with figuring out her health care coverage, but also then dealing with Medicare for him, which he didn't need until now because he was on her policy. And so, yeah, had a really good experience with them. And getting on the phone and talking with them, with the client, is something that I have found helpful because it makes sure that your health care expenses are a part of 
the bigger financial plan. And again, one of the biggest things, John, I find with planning in general and healthcare is most of us know what our house payment is. We know what our day-to-day, week-to-week expenses are. We have a general idea to ballpark that. And so a lot of times with like online calculators and things like that, you're asked to put in a number. Well, that number for most people in my experience is whatever the number is that they spend. It doesn't include healthcare. It doesn't include routine maintenance on your house every now and then. And so it's one of those things that can catch people off guard. And so looking at it and talking to folks like Healthcare One and getting your options in the context of your financial plan, I think is really important. And a big part of that, John, we talked a little bit before, is the fact that the costs, not only do they seem high for a lot of us, they grow faster than everything else. So they inflate faster. And so not only does it feel expensive now, if you think it feels expensive now, one thing I know about healthcare coverage is it's not going to get cheaper. It's not. And if we play the one word game where we have to choose one word that our clients most often use to describe Medicare and its situation when they're looking at the enrollment period, in my case, it's overwhelming is the one word that they use the most often I think it's because all the different choices that are out there, all the different types of Medicare coverage in there and all the different offerings, it's a lot to sift through. And if you've ever read stereo instructions or healthcare information on some of these handouts that they give you, like you said, the words are very specific, but they're not words that we use frequently. And so just reading through it all and trying to figure out what's what and going through it is overwhelming to a lot of folks. And so that's why I think Raymond James chose to partner with this group. And I'm glad that they did because I feel like it makes everybody's job easier and just come away with the feeling that you've done your homework, you've been educated, and now you know enough to make an educated decision. And so if there's one thing we can help people do, it's make educated decisions. But when you're talking about medical cost inflation and how things get more expensive over time, Another part that's maybe contrary to common thinking is that folks who are healthy think that they don't have to worry about healthcare costs as much because they're not going to the doctor right now, or they don't have to take two and three and four different prescription medications every day or or things like that. But if you are healthy, you're more than likely going to spend more over your lifetime on healthcare costs than somebody who is relatively unhealthy, whether it be genetic or different choices, but you're going to live longer. And if you live longer, you're going to spend more on healthcare costs. And so you need to make sure that you've got that box checked when you're looking at what income is coming in, what expenses are going out, make sure you have something there for healthcare, because if you're healthy and you may feel invincible today, and that's fine, but you're probably going to spend a lot of your money on keeping yourself alive longer. Yeah. And really, for most of us, it's not necessarily, unless you're taking literally a handful of pharmaceuticals every day, it's not so much that that's why we're getting the insurance, right? It's that if you had a big major medical issue, you want to make sure that that's covered. Small holes in the boat can be patched. And over time, if we see a hole in the plan, We want to make sure that we patch that and insurance is a way 
to do that. You just don't want to leave yourself exposed to the big thing. And one of the other things, and I'll only touch on it briefly, is the notion that with regards to your Medicare costs, a portion of that is determined by your income. So when you start to look at what your Medicare premiums are going to be, they're determined by your previous income. So you want to make sure that you are managing your overall financial situation well because you can very much unnecessarily pay more for coverage by choosing or making bad decisions on how you handle your income, where it comes from, how much it is, and how you plan for that. So definitely something worth paying attention to. John, so we've talked a little bit about how are we going to pay for it, the fact that it's going to be expensive. What are some of our options if we are wanting to prepare for that in advance? And just to touch on one thing that you mentioned, and you've probably had this happen as well, but when Medicare is looking at income, they look at modified adjusted gross income. So they add back some things to that. And so if you have an instance where you realize a large capital gain, either on a second home, a vacation home, some piece of property, something, those types of sales, those types of gains can be counted. And for a specific year, that can make your Medicare costs for the next year go up. And if you are collecting Social Security, your Medicare premiums are deducted out of Social Security. You can see your Social Security income go down because your Medicare costs have gone up. And so some of those one-time items can impact for the next year, at least, other sources of income coming in. So anytime you're collecting Medicare and you have changes to your income, you just need to talk through that with your financial advisor and potentially your tax professional just to make sure you understand all the ramifications of your actions. If you're looking to potentially have a life change where you might need to set aside more money for healthcare costs in the future, or you're looking at something where you might have to pick up some additional costs of healthcare coverage in between changing jobs or things like that. It's important to know what your options are. And some of those are to put more money into IRAs and 401ks. And if you know about IRAs and 401ks, then you know above the age of 50, usually, you can start making catch-up provisions in those plans. And that just means as you get older, you're allowed to put more away into your retirement plan, defer more from tax, and potentially have that much more money available to you to use for whatever purpose you choose. But one of those purposes could be healthcare in those years that you need it. And then one of the other options that you might have would be an HSA or something like that. Have you used HSAs in your business, Chip? A little bit. It's not something that we've done a lot of, but yeah, every now and then. Well, it works a little bit like an IRA in that you can defer money into it pre-tax and set aside some money. And those limits are different whether you're deferring for an individual or a family. So if you want to look at those limits and they are indexed, you can ask your financial professional for what those limits are, but you can defer it from tax. And if you use those monies that you've put into the HSA, for healthcare costs coming out, then you don't have to pay income tax on that money ever. And so it's a useful vehicle if your employer offers it, or if you have a high deductible health insurance plan, which is also one of the keys to that. It's a useful tool to set aside money specifically for one purpose in the future and also save yourself some tax. 
We've used it a little bit, Chip, but it's not as easy for us because there's more information that we need that sometimes we just don't have in order to make these recommendations to clients. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing with the HSAs. And there are only certain institutions that provide them. So it either has to be provided by your employer, you have to go to a particular place, and you have to qualify by that high deductible plan. So again, I agree with you. Great vehicles. I think more than it not being something we plan for, I think that a lot of times for clients, it's just more difficult to execute if it's not specifically something that they can fund through the company. Again, I think it's a great vehicle, but probably not used nearly enough, really. And it's relatively new, especially with the advent of the changes in affordability of plans. And it seems as if employers are attempting to push off more of the cost of healthcare onto their employees. And so you have had more of these high deductible plans come into existence just to offer people more choices when they're looking at monthly payments for insurance. And so it's relatively new. It's an ever-changing environment for these types of things. So we get to learn with our clients a lot of times. And so just have the conversation. But these options, we can save more now. And if we save more now for healthcare costs later, then this will help us plan for and and basically live the way we want to live instead of having to assume we're going to do one thing and then have something else befall us and have to change kind of mid-course and potentially have fewer options or less time to prepare if we just simply kick the can down the road. Yeah. And speaking of kicking the can down the road, we're going to continue this next time so (laughs) we can get into further stuff. But if any of this interests you or you're concerned about leaving your current job or you just want to know more about if I were to retire early, you know, that combined with health insurance, I actually have a helpful flow chart, kind of a decision matrix, if you will. So feel free if this is an issue that's touched on a nerve for you. If you have an interest, you're considering trying to figure out retirement and healthcare, I've got a great resource for you. Happy to send it to you. Complimentary. Just shoot me an email, chip at signaturewealth.com. John, great to see you, man. Let's do it again next week. Next week it is. Here we have it. Another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at signaturewealth.com scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real-life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security, it's all in there. Go to theretirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at signaturewealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to signaturewealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. 
Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.